Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and this is going to be a more personal episode. I am going to be sharing what I've done over a 30-day period, what I'm continuing to do, and the results that I saw in the first 30 days. I This was not an intentional I'm going to do this for 30 days. It was more, uh, I'm going to do this today. And then as I continued to do it and felt and saw changes in things like my weight, in things like my energy, my anxiety, my ability to focus, uh, I decided to keep doing it. And then I thought it'll be interesting to reflect on what changed. Because a lot of times we give disproportionate focus to measurable results and we don't pay attention to, we don't notice, we don't celebrate as wins. Things like, wow, I'm not as tired when I wake up in the morning. Wow, my feet don't hurt as much. Wow, I'm less irritable with my kids or I'm thinking about sugar less often. I'm not feeling compelled to eat as often. So This was a very unintentional, we'll call it weight loss experience, but that's oversimplified because it was also an anxiety experiment. It was also an energy experiment, but if we labeled it by every outcome or every consideration, we wouldn't get past the label. I'm going to give away a consistency calendar today. Before we get into the show, I just want to Thank you guys for leaving reviews of this podcast. It's actually one of the most powerful ways for the word to get out. I mean, Primal Potential Podcast has been around for almost 10 years, but still we're always looking to reach people who need support, who are seeking specific strategies that are free from fluff. <laughs> I'm just, you guys know I'm not a not much for the fluff. And I, I just want to help more people in 2024. And one of the ways to do that is when you guys leave reviews. So I'm going to give away a copy of the consistency calendar. This is a year at a glance poster size calendar that comes with a starter set of stickers so that you can track consistency of things that are related to areas where you want to create improvement. One of the things I'm tracking right now is strength training, um, being zero sugar, and I love having that visual representation right over my desk because it helps make sure that I don't drift or disengage and let life get in the way, which has happened so many times before to so many of us. I'll announce the winner at the end of the show, but all you have to do to be eligible to win when we do these giveaways is leave a review of this podcast or a specific episode of the podcast on whatever platform you listen. And even if you think, oh, I've reviewed the show before, you can actually review an episode. So you might say, hey, I listened to episode 1159. It was super helpful. But if you do that, not only does it support the show and it's significantly appreciated by me. It also makes you eligible to win. All right. Before I get into what I did and why I did it and what I experienced and what surprised me and what confused me, 
I want to first say, little soapbox moment. I get very annoyed when I see people with online platforms, whether that's Instagram, podcasts, uh, TikTok, and they're they're posting about their health journeys and then linking to all of these supplements and gadgets, but they're conveniently leaving out that they're on testosterone pellets. And that's a big part of their results or that they're on Ozempic. And this is not just a theory that I have. This is actual situations that I know of. And I think that it's wrong. So I want you to know that I'm not leaving something out here. A lot of folks are selling supplements or they are selling affiliate products that they offer as, hey, my health has transformed. Here's what I'm doing. And they're leaving out this really major piece that's probably a cornerstone of their results. And I don't have any issue with somebody choosing to take Ozempic. I don't have any issue or any drug like it. I don't have any issue with somebody getting hormone replacement therapy with, you know, women taking testosterone or anything like that. You do you. And you don't have to disclose it. But what really bothers me is that you're monetizing your health story and leaving out a critical part. And the conversations that I've been a part of or observed is people saying, well, you know, that's private and I don't have to share that. 100%. You don't have to share that. These people are not obligated to tell you if they're taking one of these weight loss drugs or if they are on hormone replacement therapy. But... If you want it to be private, keep it private. Don't cherry pick components as though you're letting people in on the secret of how you've changed so much and leave out something significant. Maybe you don't even notice that that's happening. I think it's hard to know, but I just wanted to address that here and say, I'm not going to do that. It's kind of like if somebody is sharing their infertility struggles and actively selling you the supplements that they took or the gadgets that they've used, links, links, links that they get paid off of, but they're purposefully leaving out that they also did IVF and saying, well, that's private. Absolutely. You have every right to keep that private, but don't monetize as though you're opening the doors to show people what you did while choosing to omit something significant. All right. So I want to be very clear. I don't have any issue with what people choose to do. And I don't have any issue with people keeping things private. And I wouldn't have any issue if they said, here are some of the things that I've done. There are other things that I'm not willing to share. But for the ones I'm willing to share, here they are. Right. It's the what bothers me and what you will not see from me is presenting as though I'm telling you everything and then withholding some significant piece and not disclosing that I'm withholding it. So there are absolutely parts of my life that I keep private. I'm not ever going to sell you some solution and not disclose that I'm withholding a big piece of the puzzle. So what I'm sharing with you today is the whole picture. I am not keeping anything private for the sake of, you know, my own things that I, I want to not share. This is this is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Rant over. Ugh. Rant over. I, and it's not over. It's not over. I'm not done. <laughs> There's a very good chance that some people might listen to this or share this and be like, 
Ooh, she's calling out so-and-so. I'm not calling out any one person. There are a lot of people that do this, and there are a handful of people that I know for sure this is what's going on uh, because I'm just in in circles um, where these conversations are had about monetizing and sharing and privacy and blah, blah, blah. And I'm I'm not saying that how I feel about it is right. It's just I want to be very clear that you won't see that from me because I don't like it. It doesn't mean other people can't do it. It doesn't mean other people shouldn't do it. I just don't like it. And so I won't do it. And I want you to know that you won't experience that here. Okay. Postpartum weight loss has been not harder in that I don't feel that there's any weight loss resistance for me. What the resistance has come from for me that I didn't experience in other areas of my life is as I was closer to my birth experiences, I had a lot of trouble focusing. All right. So I feel like I'm on the other side of that now. And I want to share what changes I made and the results that I got. As I said at the top of the show, this didn't start out as, hey, let's do this for 30 days and see what happens. It started out What really prompted it was my postpartum anxiety, which I've talked about on recent episodes, and I won't go into it here, but I thought to myself, let me just observe what, if anything, happens to my anxiety if I completely eliminate sugar. And we'll talk more about what completely eliminate sugar means to me personally, um, because that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. We'll get there, I promise. I wanted to casually observe is there no change? Is there a dramatic change? Is there a little bit of a change? And I will say too, I wasn't a big sugar eater, but I would say maybe once a week, several times a month, there would be a trip out for ice cream with the kids or, uh, you know, my mom would bring over cookies or something like that. And then starch, less often, but, you know, every once in a while, if we went out to eat, I might have a piece of the bread or um, have a bite of my kid's pasta. So I want to be very clear, and I hope that that's encouraging, that these changes in what I experienced were not a dramatic 180-degree lifestyle change, because I think a lot of folks think that to get results, you have to make these massive changes, and I don't believe that to be true for most people. Certainly wasn't the case for me, but I just want to paint a picture that is very accurate uh, in case any of you share goals of weight loss, whether it's postpartum or not, of reducing anxiety uh, and having more energy. Those were my big goals. I wanted to see some really meaningful progress on the weight loss front, and I wanted to see if I could naturally get my postpartum anxiety under control. And as a mom of three kids under three, I would love more energy. I have a two and a half year old and two one year olds and it's bonkers around here. So I noticed in the first couple of days of completely eliminating sugar and following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss, without exception, 100%, no kind of, sort of, better than before, like completely 100%, within two days, I noticed a reduction in my anxiety. And it was significant. It wasn't gone. The anxiety wasn't gone. I think I went from uh, 
really unhealthy level of anxiety to what I would consider a normal level of anxiety. Like today when I'm recording this, my two-year-old has a fever. I think I have a normal level of anxiety about that. Watching everything. Is he is he eating normally? Is he does he look normal? Is his coloration normal? What's going on? Do I need to call the doctor? Should I do I have a normal to me anxiety about that. And that shift happened within just a couple of days. So let me tell you what the 30 days looked like. And then we'll kind of get into the details. But reflecting on the 30 days, there was no alcohol. I followed the golden rules of carbs and fat loss every single day. Not 28 out of the 30 days, not 14, not 29. There was what I'll call no sugar. I'll explain it in a second. 10,000 steps a day, strength training four times a week, and red light therapy every single day. It's just this little, I've talked about it before. It's actually sitting next to me right now because I was doing it when I started recording. Um, It's just slightly bigger than my hand. Maybe it's like six inches tall by four inches wide. It's a little brick and it's wireless and it does uh, red light and near infrared light. And I use that two to three times a day. So that's what the 30 days look like. Not because I defined this ahead of time, but because I started doing it and it felt so good from an energy and anxiety, really from an energy and anxiety standpoint, that I kept doing it. And then after 30 days went by, I was reflecting on, okay, what did I do? So I want to be very clear about that because I think it's dangerous to, dangerous for some people to set these, I'm going to do XYZ for 30 days because then when on day three, it doesn't go how you thought, you feel like you're you got to restart. And I don't think that's a helpful mindset for most people. Let's talk about what no sugar looked like for me over these 30 days. It did not mean no fruit, although I did not have fruit daily. So the easiest way to, for me, to really keep this in check is with something simple like the golden rules of carbs and fat loss. I'm not going to dive into that here. You can listen to episode 195 for all of the details there. That is like 80% of the of the battle, just doing that. But no sugar to me. I had fruit maybe two or three times a week. I would have an apple, often because I was sharing it with my two-year-old. But I don't have anything against fruit. For me, though, there is such a thing as overeating fruit, and that would run counter to my energy. It would run counter to my weight loss goals. Uh, But I'm not in any way villainizing bananas or mango or apples or anything like that. So I could absolutely have fruit. I just choose not to have it regularly because I feel my best when I'm minimizing that. So to me, zero sugar is about no cookies, no crackers, no processed foods. You know, sugar sneaks into a lot of things, whether it's that protein bar and you're like, oh, but it's a protein bar. Added sugar in any way was an out for me. Just a no, I didn't do it. The only place where you could be like, well, that's not no sugar, Elizabeth, is is the fruit. And I, again, am not trying to eliminate fruit. I don't think fruit is a problem for most people uh, in moderation. 10,000 steps a day for me looks like a one-hour walk. It's usually because of where I live and it's winter and it's cold and we don't have sidewalks where we live. I mean, there are sidewalks, but not like I can't walk out my door and hop on a sidewalk. Um, 
it's usually been on the treadmill plus my normal movement. So the combination of a one hour intentional walk and sometimes it was like 30 minutes before my kids woke up, 30 minutes after they went to bed or 30 minutes before they woke up and 30 minutes at nap time. It wasn't always one continuous hour. Uh, Sometimes it was 20 minutes and then a work call and then 40 minutes. One hour walk plus my normal movement very consistently gets me at or over 10,000 steps a day. The strength training. I've been doing strong foundations workouts at home in addition to two or three times a week doing strength training uh, at a like boutique facility near me. And the boutique facility wasn't the whole 30 days. I think that started around halfway through. But strong foundations workouts that Morgan Bungers wrote, I've been doing those four times a week. Okay, so that's what I have been doing. At the end of the show, I'm going to give you, because I know a couple of people are like, well, what did you eat in a day? I'm going to give a few examples, and I can certainly share more about that if there are questions. So that's coming. A few things surprised me about this. I was surprised at how much it reduced my anxiety. It was a significant reduction. And I think the reason it surprised me is because this didn't represent a big, dramatic lifestyle overhaul, it represented greater consistency. That's all. The other thing that surprised me, so you know how I said I didn't set out to, to, I'm going to do this for 30 days and then report on it. It was really, I'm going to do this for a, a day or two and see if it impacts my anxiety. I wanted to keep going because I felt so good anxiety wise and with more energy, what shocked me is that this 30-day period we're talking about included four Christmas parties, Christmas Day, and of course Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, where we also had like a family gathering, and there was something else. But I mean, things where typically dinner's out, all of that kind of stuff was in here, where typically it would be like, oh, it's Christmas. Of course I'm going to have a cookie on Christmas. And when I went into it, and as I got closer to Christmas, I think I shared this with you guys. I know I talked about it in the consistency course. I was sort of like, well, how, how's it going to go on Christmas? Am I going to have dessert? Am I not going to have dessert? Am I going to have a cocktail? You know, is my husband going to make me a Bloody Mary and I'm going to drink it? I was very open to it. Here's what was amazing and so great. I didn't want to. I felt so good from the standpoint of energy and decreased anxiety and a couple weeks in from the standpoint of weight loss, I genuinely didn't want to. It didn't feel hard. And I love this. I've seen it before. It probably shouldn't have surprised me that as we build momentum Our need for willpower, our need for discipline decreases. I need you to keep that in mind because so many times we judge the journey based on how we feel at the start. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so hard. It's going to take so long. I'm going to have to go through all of these trips and holidays and vacations and it's just going to be such a battle. But what it overlooks is as you build momentum, as you experience results, the fight diminishes. The willpower required decreases dramatically and your desire to do the work and even to do more work increases. So the Christmas parties came and went. 
and it felt really easy. I'm I'm being very honest with you. Christmas came and went and it felt very easy. Now, something I've talked about before that I'll I'll touch on because it's very relevant to the experience of the 30 days. I made sure that on Christmas, for example, there were foods there that aligned with no sugar and golden rules that I really wanted to eat. I was really looking forward to the prime rib and the salad that I had made. And and that felt good for me. That felt indulgent to me. And it didn't feel like I was going through the day eating dry chicken and being miserable. It wasn't like that at all. The same thing is true with things like steps. Christmas with three kids under three is wild. And I wasn't sure, am I, am I going to do 10,000 steps on Christmas? I wanted to. Even if at the start it felt like something I had to do or, you know, working through a lot of discipline to follow through, after just seven to 10 days less on some things, I really wanted to keep doing it. It resulted in just over 10.2 pounds lost in that 30 days. That's not like a crazy impressive number, right? It averages out about two pounds a week. But as a 40-year-old who's had four kids in the last few years, who has three kids under three now and juggling a lot of things, and it was over Christmas and New Year's, that's a fantastic win. But I want to reiterate, it's not anything like crazy or outlandish, and I never felt like I was doing some extreme approach, because typically the more extreme the approach, the less likely you are to sustain it. One thing that was very surprising, I shared on a previous episode how one of the changes that I made was checking my weight every day. And I talked about how I don't recommend that for most people because most people are way too emotional about it and then use what they see to influence what they eat. Like, oh, I'm down. Like, I've earned it. I can deserve it. And then they overindulge or they're not seeing results and they go to, what's the point? Why do I even bother? Or I need a metabolic reset and all of this crap that's just not aligned with consistency. But because I trusted my neutrality around the number that I saw every day, I was able to just be really curious about it. One thing that surprised me that in this 30 days, there was a full 14-day period, a full half almost of the 30 days where it seemed like nothing was really happening on the scale, despite, again, being incredibly consistent. This was not 30 days of most of what I'm saying. It was 30 days of 100% by choice because I wanted to. And 14 days where it was kind of like, you know, up a quarter of a pound, down a quarter of a pound, up a pound, down a pound. It was just like kind of bouncing back and forth in this same two pound range. And I was thinking to myself, man, I'm doing the work. You would think my body is responding. But the truth is my body was responding. It just wasn't translating on the scale. We often have this expectation that the scale is just going to perfectly move in tandem with our behavior changes. But it's not. That's not the way it happens. Sometimes we're retaining more water. Sometimes, no doubt, I was building some muscle because, again, I've been strength training four times a week with the goal of building muscle. And 
instead of saying, oh, well, this obviously isn't working. Oh, I need to change something. Oh, I should metabolically reset. My body is probably getting bored and I should have a high carb day or a cheat day or any of these. I'm, I'm giving examples from the way that I used to think, right? Instead, I thought it's coming. I'm just going to stay the course. I'm just going to stay the course. And I know that things are happening on the inside. I feel better. I have more energy. My anxiety is down. My performance in the gym is improving. I'm absolutely getting stronger. I can see those strength gains translating into my workouts. I'm sleeping better. I'm waking up with more energy. And then it caught up. Because I didn't say, oh my gosh, it's not working, so I might as well, what's the point, let's have a little of this, I deserve it, do a reset. Because I just stayed consistent, it caught up. And then it looked like a relatively significant weight loss over three to five days, but it wasn't over three to five days. It was just the scale reflecting what had been happening in my body that it hadn't reflected to that point. I have a theory, and it's it's a very soft theory because I have a data set of, of one menstrual cycle here. Um, I have a theory that in the first half of my cycle, weight loss was more resistant. Not, not That's probably not even the right way to say it. I think there was more going on with hormonal fluctuations and water retention and um, muscle growth in the first half of my cycle because as soon as it seemed like as soon as I shifted to that second half of the cycle post ovulation that's when the scale started reflecting what it hadn't reflected for the prior couple of weeks am I sure of that no absolutely not it's something that I'm going to pay attention to moving forward to see if that sort of thing happens again and you know there's not always an explanation for it People get in trouble when they have an expectation that the scale is like a calculator and it's going to reflect proportionately the degree of your consistency every day. It's not going to. It's not going to. Instead of thinking, it's not working, what am I doing? I've been crushing it for five days and the scale hasn't moved. Consistency is not measured in days. Consistency is measured in months and years. I'm going to say that again. Consistency is not measured in 10 days, 14 days, certainly not three days, five days, eight days. There's so many folks who have been like, I've been doing this for a couple of weeks and nothing's changing. Consistency is measured in months and years. Please stop saying something doesn't work because you've been doing it for a couple of weeks. So in addition to about 10.2 pounds lost, I noticed a significant change in my, like, my belly fat. I've shared before that one of the things I do in the morning as a gut check, pun not intended, I suppose, is I put my hand on my belly, like kind of um, between my belly button and the top of my pubic bone. And I can tell by how that feels if like what's going on with my body. And I noticed a really significant decrease in inflammation and also belly fat in that area, which is great. I noticed my clothes fitting different. I noticed that I'm not getting as hungry. I can go a lot longer without eating. And I think that's a big part of restoring insulin sensitivity uh, and also 
putting on more muscle. I don't feel as tired throughout the day. My sugar cravings are dramatically down. Last night, we hosted some friends and they have a young kid and I got cupcakes for the kids for after dinner from a cupcake place that I love. And it really did not feel hard for me to not eat a cupcake. Oftentimes, that would feel like a very conscious battle that I would have to be always engaged in my thoughts. So it's a huge win that I didn't feel like, oh, man, I really want to have a cupcake. Should I? Shouldn't I? Oh, this is so hard. It really felt truly effortless. I'm not exaggerating. I'm sleeping better, falling asleep more easily, staying asleep, not waking as much throughout the night, except for the kids, dramatically less anxiety notable improvements in my workout. I know for sure, though I am not measuring it formally, I know for sure that I am putting on muscle. So then when we look at about 10.2 pounds of fat lost over 30 days, that's also with probably, I would say, two pounds of muscle gained. So that really means more fat loss. It's just I also gained two pounds of muscle. Uh, And again, that's an estimate. I'm walking faster. So when I do my hour of walking, I'm increasing the speed because I feel like I'm going slow, even though I'm going as fast as I was a month ago, but it feels slower because it's getting easier. It feels more effortless. And I'm naturally waking up earlier, naturally waking up before my alarm. My alarm usually goes off at five. So that's been really fun. The cool thing about the strength training component of it, again, I've been doing strong foundations workouts and now, though it didn't start this way and this reflective 30-day period. Um, In addition to the Strong Foundations workouts, I'm now going to a little boutique studio a few days a week also doing strength there. Um, The cool thing about strength training is that it accelerates future fat loss efforts because you have a higher need for energy the more muscle that you have. So essentially eating the same amount of food leads to weight loss, the more muscle that you have. Does that make sense? Like if we were to compare you now compared to you with five pounds more muscle, if you're eating the same, you're at more of a deficit when you have that extra muscle because the muscle demands a lot more energy than not having the muscle or compared to fat. Now let's be very real about fitting in things like for strength training workouts and hour-long walk with kids. If we are not intentional with our time, it's never going to happen, right? Uh, especially with children. I mean, I could certainly say this too before I had kids, but even more so with kids because it's inevitably some you thought you were going to work during a nap, but one of the kids didn't nap. Or you thought you were going to do it before they woke up, but one of them woke up early. We have to be committed to finding a way, and that's been the big shift for me. So I get up at 5. And my husband and I, God bless, he right now, it's hunting season. That's something he enjoys to do with his buddies. So we have split. You can't legally hunt on Sundays where we live. So we've split three mornings a week. I do the early workout before they wake up. The other three mornings a week, he's out hunting. So I don't work out in the morning. I'm on kid duty. But either way, I get up at five. And if I'm working out, that's what I do with that time. And if I'm not, I do high priority work tasks so that when I have time later, I can walk on my treadmill while doing low priority work tasks. So like administrative stuff, 
housekeeping stuff, responding to strong foundations comments. Those are things I can do while I'm walking. So I don't want to use that 5 a.m. time for something that I can do while I walk. All right. Uh, I can easily do the strong foundations workouts in my living room before my kids wake up. I can do them in my living room while my kids nap. I can do it in my living room while my kids are nap uh, while my kids are not napping and just playing, knowing that I'm going to get some more interruptions. But a interrupted workout is absolutely better than no workout at all. The other thing that I do is I I will fit in the time when my husband's home or when my mom is here playing with the kids or when we have a babysitter. And I want to say this, one of the most important things that I've had to do in this season of life with work and young kids, communicate. I can't wait for a window of time to just appear when it's like, oh, this is a perfect time for me to go walk. There is no perfect time. So in the morning or the night before, I'll say to my husband, hey, this is my plan. Uh, When the twins go down for a nap, can you run your errands with Roman and I'm going to use that time to walk on my treadmill? Communicate, communicate, communicate. So many times we struggle to fit it in because we're not verbalizing what we need and we're not accepting help from the people in our lives, whether it's a babysitter or it's a spouse or it's a parent or it's a friend. I also try to really time things strategically. So like I do work that I can't do while walking on the treadmill when I am in that dedicated work time, like before the kids wake up or after they go to bed. While I'm walking on the treadmill, I'm heating up the sauna because that takes forever. So I might as well have that happen while I'm doing something else. When I'm sitting in the sauna, I have a pad of paper and a pencil in there and I am doing work. I'm making notes or that's when I'm making my grocery list or planning the menu for the week. I use that time. It's not dead time. While I'm walking on the treadmill, I'm responding to clients. I'm answering emails. I'm writing notes for a podcast episode. I'm using my time really well. And then the other thing is, and I know that this is not popular for a lot of people. I'm not prescribing it for your life. I'm just sharing that it's a a big part of how I'm getting things done in this season of life. I don't watch TV. I think I would have a much harder time getting to bed, getting things done if I watch TV. I know and I hear this from a lot of clients that there's a lot of people who feel like, but that's my time. That's when I unwind. That's when I relax. You do you. If that works for you, I think that's great. For me in this season with my goals, it feels way better to walk than to lay on the couch and watch a TV show. It feels way better to go to bed early than it does to lay on the couch and watch somebody else's reality. That might not be where you're at, but that is a big part of how I'm getting things done. A sort of uh, example, a couple of example days of what food looks like, because I know that as a big piece of curiosity. It's a little bit different based on if it's one of the mornings where I'm going to work out early or if it's a morning where I'm not. Like today, my husband was hunting, so I was solo with the kids in the morning. Um, And my food is a little bit different because I'm always trying to make sure that I get protein in after that strength training workout. So it kind of makes a little difference. Yesterday was an example of a day where I get up early and do my strength training. So... The first thing that I have is water with electrolytes. Then I have coffee. I usually put a splash of heavy cream in it and then I'll work out. And I don't feel like I'm working out on an empty stomach because that heavy cream has given me more than enough, not to mention what's stored in my body uh, to navigate that workout. Post-workout breakfast, 
would be a protein shake, protein smoothie. Again, because I'm making it substantially and trying to get a lot of protein, that feels sufficient for a meal for me at that point in the day. I'm going to be having lunch in another couple hours. I don't need this big, huge meal. Uh, And I usually do two or three scoops of protein. So it's like, you know, anywhere from 30 to 40, maybe more grams of protein. So that was yesterday. I had the protein smoothie post-workout. I went out to lunch with my husband, which we never do, but we had somebody here to watch the kids. And we'd gotten in an argument that morning or that night before. Totally my fault. I was up all night with Charlie. And so I was just crabby. Um, And when I was putting Roman down for his nap, I texted him and said, hey, you want to go out to lunch? So we went out to lunch. I had steak kebabs. We went to a Greek restaurant. I had steak kebabs with veggies, and it came with a side salad. So I had the side salad first. Then I had the steak, and uh, I ate some of the veggies, but not all of them. And then yesterday was kind of atypical in that we had friends come over, and they brought dinner. And I had a grilled chicken plate from like a – how did you – like a – just like a regular takeout place, I guess. And they had all sorts of different burgers and things, salads. And I got a grilled chicken plate. So I had the grilled chicken and my side, I got coleslaw. And that was it. We eat dinner really early around here because of the kids. So we had dinner around five. And then I don't eat again for the rest of the evening. I want to comment on that before I give you another example day because I think a lot of people feel like, oh my gosh, that's the hardest time for me. I eat so much between you know dinner and bedtime. One thing that really helps me is I go to bed as early as possible. There are some nights, you know, three or four nights a month where I have late webinars where I might be up until 10 or 11. But aside from that, I go to bed at like nine. So that helps a ton. I'm putting Roman down between 7.30 and 8. And then I might get some work done, pick up a little bit. But I'm I'm in bed by nine. That helps a ton. The other thing that helps is just changing the habit. A lot of our nighttime eating is purely habitual and it's because we're watching TV and we want something to do. You'd be surprised that if you're not watching TV and you're doing something else, something that's productive, maybe this is when you're getting your workout in or your walk-in or you're folding laundry or you're catching up with friends or you're getting ahead on your work to-dos for the following day, a lot of the nighttime eating is tied to something like playing games on your phone, scrolling on social media, or watching TV. So for me, removing those behaviors makes it easier to not eat after dinner. Here's another example day uh, from the previous day where I didn't work out in the morning. So it still starts with water with electrolytes, coffee with a splash of cream. Uh, For breakfast, I had scrambled eggs and also Greek yogurt that I added protein powder to. Lunch was leftover ground beef from the night before. I had made like a sort of chop suey thing for the kids, but I reserved some of the ground beef and didn't put anything on it. So we cooked extra. So I had ground beef with two over easy eggs on it um, and the piece of string cheese. That was lunch. And then dinner was I did a pork loin with cauliflower rice with like a mustard cream sauce. Super, super good. You might have seen the picture on my Instagram. Oh, and that day in the afternoon, I also had an apple. So those are a couple of example days of what it looks like. But 30 days unintentionally just sort of created by momentum of zero sugar, following the golden rules of carbs and fat loss every single day, which you can hear about in episode 195, four times a week strength training, getting 10,000 steps a day, and 
I don't even see the 10.2 pounds lost as the biggest wins. I see the workout performance, the decrease in anxiety, and especially the increase in energy as the huge wins. I'm sure that I have left out something you're curious about, not intentionally. Like I said at the top of the episode, there's no like, oh, and I'm also on testosterone. No, I'm not. Uh, (laughs) The only thing I take in terms of supplements, I take some organs. I take like, you know, liver and stuff like that because I don't like to eat it. Um, I take a multivitamin. I take some um, CoQ10 because it helps with egg health, allegedly. No, I believe in the science. But things like like no crazy, like I'm not on hormones or anything like that. But if there's something that you're curious about that I didn't mention, please don't hesitate to ask. If it's helpful for me to give examples of, you know, when I'm fitting in a workout, when I'm fitting in a walk, because I know for a lot of folks that's the struggle. And... For many folks, the struggle is the discipline and the willpower to get started. And I just want to reiterate, it won't be that hard as you get further into it. The more momentum you create, the better you feel, the more you see results, the easier and easier and easier and easier it is to execute. We've got a family wedding that we're going to, and it really, there's just no thought of like, am I going to drink? Am I going to have cake? Am I going to this? Am I going to that? Because I feel really good. And if I do, I do. And it's no sweat. It's no big deal. There's no failure. There's no disappointment. There's no letdown. It's just a decision. And we move on and we get to our next great choice as soon as possible. But again, this is a different kind of episode. I don't normally just rant about what I'm doing in my life, but I thought that the the benefits of these shifts were not only so significant, but also came on what wasn't a massive degree of change and also came so quickly after just a few days. I wanted to share it. I wanted to be very honest with it. And if you have any questions, do not hesitate to ask the questions. You can DM me on Instagram at Elizabeth Benton. I'm super responsive. So there's, you know, I'm an open book. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to hear about. And I need to give away the consistency calendar. So the winner is Burkines, B-U-R-K-E-I-N-S. I think that's Burkines. That's isn't that how you would say it? B-U-R-K-E-I-N-S. If that is you, email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode airing, let me know that you were the winner for episode 1160 and include your mailing address and I will send you the consistency calendar and the set of starter stickers. I hope this was helpful to you. Let me know. I'd love your feedback because, again, this is kind of a different kind of episode, but I thought it was worth sharing because I know a lot of you guys are on similar journeys or struggling with energy, struggling with anxiety, struggling with wanting to lose weight, all of those things, struggling to make time for yourself with kids. I get it. So let me know what you think. Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow.